Welcome to the Asking Why podcast. I'm your host, Clint Davis. I'm a marriage and family therapist and licensed professional counselor trained in trauma and addiction. The Asking Why podcast is for anyone on a journey of healing and restoration. If you are searching for answers to life's questions and want to learn more about root causes from a psychological and theological mix, this show is for you. In this podcast, myself and a co-host from Clint Davis Counseling and Integrative Wellness will interview guests on a wide range of topics in order to get down to the heart of the problems facing our world and understand why things happen and how to change the world and ourselves for the better. Want to learn more tips and tricks to living a healthy lifestyle? Visit us at Clint Davis Counseling and Integrative Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. If you want to meet our staff or book a speaker, go to clintdaviscounseling.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe today. All right. Welcome to the Asking Why podcast, episode 25. And we have uh, Aaron and Shannon Crawford. Welcome. Thanks. Glad to be here. Yeah. So uh, for those listening, uh, Aaron and Shannon are dear friends of mine and they're amazing people. And so we wanted to talk a little bit today about uh, fostering and adopting. Um, They have lots of great experience with that. And so being a clinician and being a therapist, I see a lot of family members who have been adopted, who have been through the foster care system. I worked for the children's home for years and kind of saw the mess that the foster care system can be and also the amazingness that the foster care and adoption system can be. So for those listening, uh, why is this important? So uh, some statistics that I wanted to read off is that there there are about 440,000 people. people in the foster care system, children uh, in the U.S., and 8 million worldwide. Um, One in five ends up homeless by the age of 18. 50% of them um, are never employed, and only 3% of them ever get degrees. And so staying in the foster care system for a long time or not being adopted leads to long-term problematic issues in your life, in your marriage, in your family. Um, We know this from ACEs scores and ACEs studies that talk about adverse childhood effects and um, so anyway, so one of the things that I know you guys have done and stepped in is to, you know, adopt and foster and, and do all those things. And so I thought it's something that people don't get a chance to talk about very much. Uh, I think people have a lot of assumptions and, and myths and fears, um, which I think keeps people from either supporting people who are chosen to do it or choosing to do it or doing it themselves. And so I just wanted to kind of have you guys on. Uh, and talk about it. So tell tell people listening kind of who you are and what you do currently, job-wise. You go first. Uh, so um, Aaron Crawford, and um, we've been – I'm from originally from, from Bossier. I uh, grew up here, um, went away for about 15 years uh, for schooling um, to find the love of my life, and uh, – which was the law. We didn't just meet, we didn't my meet, wife we didn't meet that long ago. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> We've been knowing each other for 11 years. Right. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then came back here. Um, I went to law school um, and uh, we, we got married actually before that. Um, got, went to law school, came back uh, and, and worked here um, as, as a lawyer uh, for the past uh, over a decade. Um, and um, we've got three children, um, got uh, our two daughters one's 11 one's uh, sorry one's 12 one's nine and then our uh, son who we adopted who's six um and uh yeah we've been married uh, 17 years going on 18 um and really in enjoying life so. that's awesome um i'm shannon crawford uh i went to school to be a nurse i still am an rn um but i have been home I guess for the last 
five years um, just staying at home when our son had um, major surgery at a year old it just became a lot and so um, I decided that was what we needed to do he was in a good place with this job that we you know were able to do that so that's what I've been doing staying at home yeah raising our kiddos um, and sometimes other people's so, yeah. um, friends too, I, I feel like, you know, if anybody says they ever need childcare or help with like, I just, that's, you know, I just want to jump in and help with that. So I, I can vouch for that. I mean, you've offered to come over and sleep at our house or stay up with our kid or stay up at our kid while we sleep or about a hundred million times. Yeah. So. Yeah. And also have done some work as a night nanny yeah. also just because my background in the NICU, um, people feel comfortable apparently with me watching their tiny babies at night. So yeah do that sometimes well they're comfortable sleeping that's for sure either yeah. way yeah <laughs> it's a big deal yeah they are very huge. grateful for sleep for no sure. for sure <laughs> so because of that right because of being friends with you forever walk you know walking and seeing what you guys have been through um i just thought number one is an amazing story and number two um it's a very common story i mean other people adopt other people foster but you guys i mean do something that's so difficult but never really did the rest of us who haven't gone through that kind of get an inside view so tell me kind of what led you guys to adoption, fostering, how did that play out? Or when did God kind of, you know, put that in your lap of a thing that you were like, Oh, we got to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, so because of some health issues that I have, I wasn't sure. I mean, even before we got married, if I was going to be able to have kids or not. And so adoption was always in the back of my mind. If we couldn't have, um, children naturally, um, and so I think I shared that probably like on our second date. <laughs> she laid it all out a, as um, soon as possible. Yeah. Like I always wanted to adopt a little girl from China. Um, that's what I thought I would do. But anyways, we did not have trouble and, uh, ended up with two beautiful little girls. And then after that, I still had that, that pull, that tug on my heart. And so we looked into for an adoption but for anyone who's done it or looked into it, it is one, very expensive. Um, two, there's a lot of requirements. Some of them we didn't make enough money for or have enough room or we had too many children already to qualify for those. And um, I, don't, I don't know how people do it, but I wanted a country where you could go and meet them and then you bring them home with you. I didn't want to go meet my child and then have to leave them there. And mm. so it left us with like two countries, I think. Um, well, I think also that, I mean, the restrictions kept changing and it kept getting harder. And they would, while we were looking, I mean, we looked for a couple months at different countries and we'd find one and then all of a sudden they had changed the restrictions and it made it more restrictive. And we were like, okay, well, is this really what we're supposed to be doing? Yeah. So, so some friends at church, had gone through foster training. It wasn't for them and they chose a different venue, but asked, have you ever, you know, thought about it, which we hadn't. And so went to classes, finished those, did our home study. And before we were even certified foster parents, uh, we got a call. They fast tracked our paperwork to get this little boy who at first we thought I was just going to help mom. Like she was having trouble feeding him. And, um, then, you know, he was going to go back home after we, we did some, some helping with the parents. 
and uh, here we are. <laughs> yep. He's here now forever. Okay, yeah. so tell that story. I mean, so you so let's go back. What? So tell me about training. So if somebody's out there and they're like, okay, well, what training? I mean, from my experience, I know for a long time, how many? There's like 14 classes or something like that. Yeah, it was. I think it was once a week mm-hmm. uh, for maybe two hours, three hours, and we we would go and have you know um, a training. You'd have watch a couple of videos. You'd have you know live presentation. Uh, and then you'd also, you know, kind of discuss, you know, things back and forth. And uh, it was a lot. I mean, it was it was a really interesting class, but it was also very daunting, uh, you know, because you, you know, you get to hear all the, the horror stories. First of all, they want to make sure you're not going into a blind, which is good. But also, you know, well, how would I be able to handle that? How can mm-hmm. I do that? You know, and, you know, one of the things we learned, obviously, very early was that, you know, you don't you don't really know what's going to happen until it starts happening. You know, you, yeah. I, you know, I went to school for, you know, years and years and years and I went to law school for three years and, you know, I thought I understood the law, but it wasn't until I got into a courtroom and started experiencing it every day that I said, okay, this is what the law is. It's not, it's not what I memorized, you know, that that's the principles are there, but the action wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And so the same thing with foster care, you know, we, we had the principles going through the, the classes and I thought we, we learned a lot about it. It was very interesting, but it wasn't until every day was going on and we were dealing with all these different parts of it and, and, um, and the different emotions and, and different things that kept coming up, uh, that we realized this is what, this is how this is supposed to happen. And this is what yeah. happens. So for one, I am a, a little bit of a control freak maybe uh and i i like to plan and know what's happening and that goes out the window um you don't know sometimes they you know give you <laughs> information i mean may say it's a boy and it's a girl may say they're six months old and they're six years old i mean you just you don't know um and you get a call and you have hours or less to get ready for who knows what to come into your house because even if you know all the facts that they know you don't really know what's gone on in that child's life before they yeah put put in your home um so yeah i don't think anything can really prepare you it's all you know on-job training absolutely (laughs) i think a lot of the um well at least with our experience you know we uh first placement was was sam our son um but he was you know foster child for us for for three years and um he was only seven weeks old at the time so we had a baby and so we didn't have a lot of the you know um the other things that had gone on you know he hadn't experienced life enough to have any other trauma that we knew about and so um that was a different experience for us that was definitely different from a lot of other parents that have that have had experience in it and what they've had to go through but um it was it was not easy also because of his issues and, and the things that he had going on and we didn't know about those I, I i don't know who knew about them um but it was a discovery process of we have this baby we're taking care of him and then things just started happening and we had to kind of you know figure things out on the fly and figure things out as they were going on so right and i'm a little bit different too um even people who've told their adoption stories say you know it took them a while to become attached and you know there wasn't that fuzzy feeling right away um for whatever reason god gave me that right away um i had that strong maternal instinct and i remember the first time i dropped him off for a visit i mean i 
I bawled my eyes out in the car, <laughs> you know, um, and he hadn't even been with us that long, but it was just like an instant, you know, attachment. And possibly I needed that because he had so many medical problems that would it have been harder, you know, if I hadn't had that attachment? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think, I think that's, uh, being honest about how we feel, right. And, and being authentic about like what's scary and that we, we only have so much love to give and when things are difficult and they're not our kid biologically right. that, yeah, it's easier to be like, Oh, well, goodbye. You know, but that's <laughs> where God gives us this attachment and where I think moving from foster to adoption, it's like, that's not just a term, like that's a heart issue. Right. You know, and I think gracefully God gave you that. And again, for people that are out there, I think dads experience this, parents experience this with their own kids, though. You know, I've heard all kinds of stories on the spectrum of it took me three months to attach my son or my daughter. It took me six months or oh, once they hit one or once they could talk or what, you know, then all of a sudden, you know. And so I think that has a lot to do with God's grace, but also just our history and our personalities. And I think it's amazing how God just knits all that together and gives you you know, what you need. Yeah. And I've honestly never, I mean, I've been attached to other children who've been in our home, no doubt, but I've never felt what I felt for Sam, mm -hmm. you know, with any other child that's been in our home. And obviously they've all gone home. So, yeah. so with Sam at, you know, our first placement, um, you know, it started off, we were just, we went to, we, we had him come into the home and then I think it was the next uh, two or three days later, they had the, the first initial court appearance. And in that court appearance, um, the parents were there. Um, I think Shannon was there. I, I was not there. So Shannon had gone to, for the first time, and, and uh, she said it was just kind of a whirlwind. Um, I, I can let her tell the whole story. But basically, the, the parents were gone after that. Like, they were not coming back anytime soon. They were going to another state. Mm -hmm. um, and so... All of a sudden, you know, it wasn't going to be, you know, visitations and things like that. It was, this is your child, take care of them until further notice. Yeah, and yeah. So there was no other information that we had at that time. And so it was kind of, it was a little jarring because, you know, in the back of my head, I, you know, foster care to me was, we're going we're gonna to watch a kid for two or three weeks, maybe a month. You know, we'll make sure that they're safe, you know, cared for, you know, fed. But I wasn't expecting long term that this will be going on, you know, necessarily for indefinite time. And so yeah. I think the first thing we got was like six months to a year is probably before, you know, something will start happening. And I was like, okay, that's new to me. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I remember, I think we were doing a D group shortly after that, but I yeah. mean, I remember you talking about like what you were going to do and then we didn't talk and then all of a sudden it was like a new thing. Right. So I can imagine for you guys, like as much as it was for your friends yeah. to be like, what is happening right now? Yeah. yeah, and it was constantly like that. What, what something new is going to happen, and what's going to happen next, kind of thing. Yeah, God's grace a lot. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, and a lot of friends and family stepping in to help, um, which may be a characteristic of um, people who do this, but we do not like asking for help mm -hmm. um, or accepting it. So that was a big stretch. Um, I think I'm just now getting to where I will actually, you know, text somebody and say, Hey, one's at this doctor's appointments. Once I can't be in two places at once. Um, and just realizing that, yeah, we can't, we can't do it alone and we're not supposed to. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah. It's, it's been, so I think that's one of the stories is that people really, as much as you can plan 
and as much as you can get better training, I think one of the things we talked about before, but I've talked about with a bunch of people is, you know, making the trauma, you know, making the adoption training or the foster training more trauma informed and really equipping parents a little better across the whole training instead of just like, okay, we're going to talk about this. And then these three points are going to be focused on the trauma or the emotional things. I think obviously there can be some better prep in that area. What would you say to that? Yeah, but I mean, again, I, I don't know, you know, there's such a wide spectrum, like you were saying, you know, of, of just different things that, that happen, um, you know, from, you know, little ticks uh, that, that a child may have to, you know, very, you know, trauma that I, I, I've never, you know, even fathom, you know, and, mm -hmm. and that they, they've had to go through. And so, um, yeah, you can, you can, the more knowledge you have is definitely good and should be used, but it's so hard to say, well, you know, if you have this, this, and this, then you'll be prepared for this. It's just, that's not, that's not how it works. I don't think, or it ha hasn't worked in our yeah. experience. Um, I mean, I, I think TBRI training is, is helpful and eye-opening and just explains things that you may not have, you know, ever experienced or come across before in your life. Um, and you know, DCSF makes those available to all foster parents. Um, right now it's virtual when it's not, it's, you know, in person, but it's, it's not <clears> mandated. <throat> you can just, it's like an option. You can use it for training hours. Okay. Mm. Gotcha. So TBRI is, I know what it is, but tell the people listening trauma based relational interventions, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah that's right. <laughs> that's so right. just how your brain reacts after it's been, which, I mean, we've all experienced some kind of trauma, but, um, you know, we've had kids come in that have had been burned, broken limbs. Um, we, we haven't had any, you know, sexual abuse or anything like that. Most of ours have been under the age of, of three. Um, but you know, that happens too. And yep. I mean, how do you prepare for that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think more, what I would say is the preparing is, and I know you both, so this is probably why it's, you know, you both are pretty, I mean, I would say extremely healthy people, you know, you're mature in your spiritual life, you're mature in your marriage. You're, you don't have, you know, as far as I know, unresolved trauma that you've never talked about with each other. Or, you know, so I think that's what I mean. You're also not the average person going into foster care and not to hate on the average person, but we all have so much of a mess. And then we get into wanting to adopt or we're going through our own grief around not being able to have our own kids and, and none of that gets resolved. And I think that's part of the, the training that I mean. It's not necessarily giving you information, you. but preparing you in a way emotionally and having some kind of like, are you in a place where this is actually what's best for you? And just like having biological kids, you need to know this. You're never ready. Right. I mean, you can do all the things. You can read all the books. <laughs> and then that baby comes home with you and has some special need or some issue or sleep. And then you're like, I have no clue, nor do I care at this moment how to do the right thing. Yeah, I, I, I've been experiencing... Um, I, I was listening to a podcast yesterday and they were talking about just being in the church and, and being a Christian in church. And there is no lone Christian. You, you have to have um, a, a body of believers that is there to support you and encourage you and lift you up and, and speak truth into you when you're not, you're not following in that. And so that, you know, you could be corrected and know and grow in, in, in Christ. And the same exact thing for a foster family, I think, um, we if we didn't have um the the family that we had and the the body believers that we had at the time we would we would have been sinking it would have been 
bad. Um, we had people that were lifting us up, encouraging us, uh, giving, you know, when we, we had nothing left to give, you know, people poured into us. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, I, I mean, that's the common theme though, right? I mean, I think about people on the mission field. I mean, they need the same thing. They need people to pour into them because they're all by themselves. Sometimes you feel like that as a foster parent, that you are all by yourself. Yeah. And, um, it can be, it can be dawning. It can, I've said that twice now. I never have ever said dawning before. And now I've said it three times. We, favorite word. But, yeah. Favorite word. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, but again, you know, you, you can, you can get easily into that isolation and, and depression and all those other things because you feel like no one really understands. And mm-hmm. the, you know, the state DCFS, you know, they do the best they can with the resources they have, but they are severely understaffed as well. And, you know, there's not everybody there is, is, is doing what they, you know, what they can, but for the most part, we've had good experiences with that, but, you know, and there's other resources, but not knowing about those resources too is, is a big deal. So, you know, all of that combined can, can easily be overwhelming. Yeah. I think, I mean, that's part of why I wanted to have you guys on here was to like put this out here. So if y'all are talking to somebody, you can go, Hey, I can't regurgitate all this over coffee, but go listen to this, you know, podcast and it'll give you some direction and some ideas of what we went through and what you, we, you know, didn't know and what we can do differently. And so, yeah. Um, and two, I've going back kind of to, you know, your marriage being strong or if you have any other, I mean, there are questions they ask you in your home study about traumas in your life that would bring it up. But some people don't realize they even are holding on to something until they get in the middle. Absolutely. Um, That's what's called and a I've trigger. had several friends yeah. that yeah. Then at that point are like, I can't do this right now. Like I need to seek help for myself uh-huh. and deal with this. And awesome that they recognize that some people don't. Yeah. There's so much shame in that. It's like, sometimes you could have done better and known better, but sometimes you just don't some unrepressed un you know, uninvited trauma from your past with your dad, with your mom. I mean, and y'all know this with our own, with our biological kids that happens. Right. You think you're ready and you have a kid and then you realize, oh man, I haven't dealt with any of my attachment or my, you know, issues. And here I am trying to love this kid while currently having a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I also don't actually recommend it to people who are struggling with infertility because the purpose of foster care is to reunite them with their families if that is safe, mm-hmm. whether it's their parents or grandparents or aunts or whatever. And you know, if you're going into it with the mindset of I'm, I'm doing this to adopt a child. I mean, I think you're setting yourself up, um, by all means it happens and people have, you know, happy endings like that, but it's not a guarantee. Yeah. Um, and so I think really think that through and protect yourself. And if you're emotionally prepared for that, right. You know, especially if you've had, you know, lost pregnancies or, you know, I mean, you've already experienced a loss like that and to, to bring a child in and you know, this is something you've always wanted and become attached and then they go home. I think that's too, you know, part of the, the misconception, like it's like immediately the parents are like the enemy to people. Mm -hmm. Like they're like, Oh, they're, you know, terrible people. Like look what they've done to their child. And we can't think like that. Um, because you're trying to, you know, yes, keep a child safe and do what's best for them but like help a family to heal and to, to find what's gone wrong because a lot of times they're just coming out of a, the same pattern and that's all they've known. That's all they've seen. Yep. And they don't, 
they don't know any different. Right. Um, yeah. And if we're just, you know, automatically out of the gate, they're the enemy, you know, we're not, we're not open to helping them. Yeah. And, and I, I think, think that's huge. Absolutely. I think that's, I mean, exactly why I want to talk about this, because I think that's the information that people need is they go into it kind of understanding how do people end up in foster care? You know, are families just terrible people that do terrible things? Well, no. I mean, we're all terrible people, right, right. according to the gospel. But the reality is, is there are people that are low income, low resources, hist- history of trauma, history of neglect, history of abandonment. You know, and of course they're going to do neglectful things unintentionally. But they're not horrible people who are just like, I don't care about my kid and I'm going to do this. Right. You know, and, and again, most of the people who have that assumption haven't actually done what you're doing, which is get to know the families, see the families, hear their stories. And I say all the time, if you could sit on the couch with somebody and disciple them and love them and get to know them, their story is going to make perfect sense. You know, neglecting their kid, beating their kid, being addicted, whatever the thing is, you're going to look at them once you know them and go, oh, well, this makes perfect sense. And I would have done the same thing. Right. The problem is we make these judgments and these sweeping statements without actually ever getting to know the people that we're making these judgments of. Which we haven't had a ton of opportunity to be able to do what we have with our last placement just because either they weren't in our home that long or I mean sometimes it's severe enough like parents incarcerated so right. you know you're not going to have that chance to see them but um but you can have that heart posture yes. regardless yes. yes yeah and that takes learning and getting to know things and reading <clears throat> talking to other foster parents that are healthy and and you know so our last placement we had for six months and that's the longest we've had a child in our home besides Samuel so, um, it was very different for a lot of, a lot of ways, but, um, people say like, oh gosh, like, but aren't you attached? Like, and he's going to go back. I'm like, he's not mine. Like his mom wants him back yeah. and she's doing everything she can to get him back. He's not mine. Like he's mine for now. And even she understood that, like you were his, you were his other mom for these six months, mm-hmm. you know, and she's very grateful and you know we still communicate and it's a it's a good relationship but you know that she can come to me and ask questions and um anyways that we've you know helped to bring this family back together it's it's the point you know like that's the point that's good yeah so you have to go into it with the goal is reunification right that you're you're going in to be a surrogate you know and i mean it's funny but that's kind of out there i view therapy it's like I meet with people who've never been honest with anybody. They've never had vulnerability. They've never shared their trauma, but I don't want to be their mom or dad. I don't want to be their brother or their best friend. Right. And for my clients listening, sorry, they know that, but like, I want, I want to you to practice with me and use this circumstance to find yourself and your safety and your identity so that you can go and, you know, make disciples or connect with people or, you know, repair your relationship with your dad. But that's the goal, right? If I came in assuming like, Hey, I'm going to be your friend and they, they're going to be my friend and I'm going to give you all you need. And then we're going to do this forever. And there's no reason for them to do it. And everybody would be really disappointed and upset if that was the case. Right. So I think it's perfect. I mean, it's a great analogy because it's like you guys, you know, are that surrogate until you can reunite. And then sometimes that ends in adoption. I mean, for you guys, that ended the first way that way. But I think one of the, my biggest regrets from Sam's adoption is the fact that we have no contact with his family whatsoever. He has siblings out there that, you know, as, as far as I know right now, we'll never know. Mm-hmm. Um, his parents that will have no contact with them. Um, 
that's sad to me. I mean, I'm glad he doesn't really, <laughs> he doesn't really know. I mean, he was a baby and, you know, just his mental capacity. I mean, I don't think he grasped that. I think there's probably something in him that I can imagine still like, I mean, knows his mom mm-hmm. and like, you know, there's something probably still there, but, um, you know, all the visits, they didn't show up or whatever. Like it wasn't upsetting to him. He didn't know any better. Right. That was a blessing to me. Um, other kids who are older and go to visits with their parents, they don't show up. It's just like adding on top of mm-hmm. abandonment and trauma that's already, already there. That's right. I mean, you could probably have several other podcasts just about, you know, what the kids are going through. Oh, for and sure. I mean, you know, I'm going to. Yeah, I'm sure you will. <laughs> um, but, you know, as far as us, you know, seeing that, you know, seeing those kind of situations and, and not even just with us, with other parents that are that are fostering that we've made friends with or that we know um, and and disappointment that's happened in, in their lives. And, and, you know, just just knowing, you know, that that's part of this process. You know, we are there's almost an expectation that there will be disappointment, you know, just, just like in our walk with Christ, that there is going to be suffering. Um, you know, we, we know that this is not going to line up perfectly. We want it to, to continue mm-hmm. moving towards where God can, can continue working in it, but that's, that, that takes time because of all the things that are going on around it. But, you know, I think our biggest, you know, takeaway is that, you know, not, not that this, we're so supposed to be successful and the, all these kids that we've had are going to be success stories, we want to give them the best chance, but we want to be obedient to what God's called us to. And if he's placed a child in our, in our heart, in our home, that they would be safe, that they would be protected, that they would be taken care of and that they would be loved um, while they're there. And mm-hmm. so, you know, that's, that's really where we see, you know, our role as a foster parent is, is to give them every opportunity while they're with us, but also that they would know the love of God through us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then also, you know, that they wouldn't be afraid. Uh, so, it's um, good. Uh, I, we got off on on Sam. I think we've slowly talked about him. But you know, just for people that don't know, our son, you know, he has uh, severe disabilities, and we we kind of went through that whole journey um, of finding out, you know, where he had five surgeries in a year. Um, I think from maybe six months old to about a year and a half to two years, he had about five different surgeries. Uh, Shannon and I spent um, more time than I've ever been in a hospital uh, during that time. Uh, we spent probably a cumulative of like four weeks um, between the two of us in hospitals with Sam uh, while he was going through different things. And that was just a, a, a huge, you know, it was a, it was a very trying, a yeah. very trying time. Um, I, daunting, would you say? Yeah, I would definitely say daunting. Daunting, uh, yeah. for sure. <laughs> and um, um. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. And the the fact of it was that with Isabel, our first child, you know, I was scared to death because I'd heard all these stories. And as a first, you know, a father not having a child or begin getting ready to be a father, I just remember, what if she has something wrong with her? Mm-hmm. What am I going to do? <clears throat> How am I going to be able to react to that? can I even handle that? And thankfully she did not. I mean, she was, she was great. I mean, she had allergies and we, we had to deal with some of that stuff and, and that's, you know, what it is, but we have two wonderful children. And, and when Sam came and, and he had all of these disabilities, God had put me in a much different place and, and, but we had to still work through it. Um, and, and together, but 
you know, I, I've grown so much from it, and I, I know we can take care of him. I know that we can do all things through him who gives us strength. And so we rely on that every day, and that's how we get through. But also we love that boy, you know, as much as if he had come from us, you know. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and that, I, that's what I was thinking of uh, right before we started. Uh, I read yesterday, and we were talking in, in one of my Bible studies uh, yesterday about Galatians 4, which is, um, part of that, I think it's Galatians 4, 4 through 8, you know, that, that Jesus came and died on the cross so that we could be adopted into his family. Mm-hmm. And that as adopted people, um, we're not just part of the, the house of God. We are co-heirs with Christ. I mean, he gives us the full, uh, his full plate of everything he would give Jesus mm-hmm. as co-heirs. And I, to, that never really made any sense to me until we had Sam with us and, and, and living with him every day and knowing the love that we have for him, you know, that we would give him everything. So anyway, it's good. Aaron's turned into a big crier now. (laughs) I can't look at him. Um. I told Clint last week, I said, I think it's God's practical joke on me. You know, I, we used to brag, you know, Shannon and I would she'd be like, you never cry about anything. Uh, And I was like, yeah, I know, I know I'm, I'm, I'm real strong. And he'd say like secret cried, like, Oh, I watched this movie and cried. I'm like, I didn't see it. So, <laughs> so it didn't count. Yeah. And now, tear, I tell people the tears are in the back of my face. That's you know? right. And so now, you know, anytime God, anytime <clears> I talk <throat> about God and, and what he's done in my life, like I just start tearing up and I'm like, this oh, is yeah. God just <laughs> laughing at me every time because. Trying to be tough. Yeah. I, I thought I was a tough guy. So. No, I remember. I mean, I, it's been cool to be a good friend of yours and watch you transition, you know, as a dad, as a husband, as a, you know, as a follower of Christ. I mean. Yeah, I came over to your house, what, two weeks ago on a Monday to talk about stuff, and we are both crying and praying, and, and I'm yeah. like, who's this dude? <laughs> you know, it's awesome. Yeah. Sure. Um, we, we touched on it earlier, too, about, like Aaron said, the loneliness, um, especially first placement. Um, you're, not, you're not supposed to say anything. You're not supposed to tell anybody, like, details about, you know, where they're coming from and, like, what's going on. And so, like, I felt super isolated. Um, and then, you know, as things started to show up health-wise with him, it's like, not only do you feel alone in this, like, we're fostering and nobody else gets what this feels like, but now I'm dealing with special needs that I've never done and dealt with before, and I don't know anyone who is, and now I'm, like, this is separate. And, like, I tried multiple times to go to um, special needs mom groups or mm-hmm. whatever. But I don't know. Like, we don't fit in a box. So. No, you don't. I was thinking about what we were talking because, <laughs> you know, I mean, Sam's what, six? Yep. Yeah, because Grady and Sam are around the same. I mean, y'all got him around the same time we had Grady. And so it's been, I know we've talked about this a bunch, but it's been an interesting thing being your friend because we were going through two and a half, almost three years of just feeling like we're in this crisis with no support, not knowing what's happening, going to Dallas, selling a house, selling a car. And you guys were going through the same thing. And it's like, I mean, we kind of supported each other, but neither one of us could really show up. I mean, you offered to come over and we were laughing because it was like, Shannon and them have this kid who has all these special needs and she's offering to come over and sleep, you know, keep our kid while we sleep. She would just leave me with everybody. Yeah, exactly. She's like, oh, you can like, handle this. <laughs> and Aaron's going to board game convention. <laughs> no, but like, but, but JC would always say to me, yeah, but could you imagine if this wasn't our birthed kid? And all these things are going, and it is just reality. It's just a different level 
of commitment. Now, obviously, you both would say God gave us the strength and it's not us. And but you guys had to do it, and and you you made these choices. And like you said, you you never know what you're going to get. And we didn't go into it. Right. It's not on our paperwork right. that we take special needs kids. Right. That's not written somewhere. They knew I was a nurse. So yeah. they said, oh, she'll be able to help with feedings. But yeah. it's not like we were, yeah, some saints are like, we will take all of the special needs kids. Yeah, like, we feel sure. like we can really, no, we, we didn't ask for it. <laughs> we didn't prepare for it, you know. Um, it doesn't but, help that you have you know, two amazing daughters who also, I mean, watching them with Sam has been just such a beautiful, incre- I mean, I'm sure it hadn't been perfect. But I mean, I've been around them a lot and they've been, I mean, pretty amazing. Although I'm sure it took a toll, which we'll talk about in a little while. Yeah. Um, I want to stick on misconceptions though. Any other misconceptions? Cause you mentioned it. Um, um, I'll tell you things that I don't like to hear. Okay. You want to go there? Yeah. Um, so what not to say to people who are adopting and fostering? There's don't ever use the term real mom. Uh, we're all filling a role of mother, father, whatever in their lives. Um, you could say birth mom or just mom. I don't care, but something with like, and maybe it's just a trigger for me and no one else cares, but no, a lot of people care about real mom. (laughs) I mean, doctor's offices, friends, like whatever. Also because of, okay. For a child to go into foster care, there's some kind of abuse or neglect that's happened. There's nothing happy about us having a child in our home. We are happy to to take care of them, but that's not like a joyous occasion. So it's so awkward to me when people congratulate you. Like, oh, congratulations. Like you just got a foster. I'm like, we didn't just have a baby. Like this kid's been through trauma. And so now they're in our home. Like it's not a congratulatory. But I mean, I think people just don't really know what to say. say. Um, But yeah, I don't know. Well, they will now. According to Shannon. I also have plenty of special needs things not to do. No, go for it. That's what we're here. (laughs) Well, just one misconception I was thinking of um, that we've had a fantastic time with the kids. You know, um, all the kids that have come in our house, we've had some terrible days. We've had uh, where it's really beaten us down, um, but they're, they're kids. And, you know, it's fun to play with kids. It's fun to watch them grow. I mean, getting, you know, the last placement we had, we got to watch him, you know, double in size and um, start crawling. And just, you know, just the little things that he was doing that, you know, we got to experience with him and, and play, you know, with our kids uh, and, and him was just an, a, just a great experience. And so, you know, we really enjoyed that time. Um, so there is that. And then also, I think one of the other misconceptions is kids aren't going to be fixed within a week. Like, you're, if you have this child, like this is this is a, a process, and it is a long process. And sometimes you may not see, you know, how how the child is is getting better. Yeah, um, any of the fruit of your labor, you don't right. necessarily get to see. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, that that's not necessarily that doesn't mean you're a bad foster parent. You know, there's other reasons you could be a bad foster parent. You know, there's lots of those things, but you know, because the child hasn't changed or is, is still having the issues that they had when they came in it's not necessarily reflective on you. Um, it's just part of the process. And so, you know, knowing that and realizing that is, is a, can be a big help because it's, it's hard when you don't see results. We want to see results. We want to see the end result and we want to see, you know, everyone being joyous and happy and having a great time, but that's not necessarily going to happen. 
So. Yeah, I think that would speak to what Shannon said about you know having your perspective and your agenda going into it. Like, yeah. there's going to be disappointment for sure, but if you're yeah. expecting to be the hero, mm-hmm. right, or the fixer, or right. you know, I, we had I'll never forget uh, when we first started purchased, uh, not for sale, which is our human trafficking uh, program for women. Uh, one of the girls, I can't remember, it was three or four years ago, five years ago, she said, you know, y'all, you kind of treat this program like it's the promised land. You know, like we've arrived, we have all these resources, we have all this help, you know, you have classes, you have therapy, but this is not the promised land. This is our desert. Mm-hmm. Like this is me having to do all this work and all this toil. The promised land is me out of this program, living my life free and healthy. And it was just such a beautiful, and it's kind of like foster care. It's like, they don't arrive and they, they, you know, although you're great people and they're in a safer environment, the right. promised land for them is back with their parents in a healthy state doing what God intended to happen. Absolutely. You know, and we're working off of a, a faulty premise that they're, they're here now in this great white hope, you know, or whatever middle class or whatever ethnicity you are. It happened to be white. But the reality is, is like you're not the end all be all for these people. Right. Right. That the goal is reunification and restoration. Um, I think too, like that makes sense. knowing what your, your limits are and what you can handle. It's not like there's no shame in that. There's no, well, gosh, I'm saying no to this. So like, do they even want me as a foster parent? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think, you know, sometimes you do take on too much or more than you can. And then, oh, yeah. then they're switching to another home and not that there's anything wrong with that either. I mean, please like let somebody know if you've gotten in over your head um and ask for for help or to change homes if that's what it and i i think that's a misconception too like i failed if you know well maybe your home's just not the right one and it might be not the third one or the fourth one but maybe the fifth one i mean we hope that doesn't happen but that's that's reality that every child's not gonna and they're not gonna fit like in your family necessarily i mean we've had children of different races obviously we go out to eat and you know, bring all the attention. <laughs> well, and What's going on here? We, yeah, we certainly, we've gotten calls before and, you know, Shannon always will call me and, you know, cause I'm usually at work when she gets the call and she's like, okay, this is what they want to do. They want to send this child over. And, and once we have some details and we've said no before, and I always am like, man, I don't want to say no because first of all, I know Shannon's already at a place. She's like, I'm ready to go. <laughs> but you know, we've got to be in the right place. And, and that doesn't mean we have to be perfect um, or, you know, that everything's going great or that I don't want to mess what's going on because it is going mm-hmm. really well, but it just, it needs to be right. And, you know, first of all, that's prayer, you know, immediately we have to pray about it, but, you know, just knowing our limitations and knowing that it is okay to say no, because we've got to be able to do the best we can and, and have to be in a good place for that. Absolutely. And why your, your marriage needs to be strong in your communication with each other um because we're complete opposites so when he's on the phone like i don't know i'm like we gotta do this but sometimes he's like shannon you're not in a good place to do this right now like even Mm. though your your feelings are involved (laughs) and um i have to say like this last placement when they called me like it was so uh reminiscent of the phone call i got for sam just like some of the details that, I mean, like, she had me from the moment. She, she told me that, you know. And Aaron, yes, always at first is like, I don't know, like, if we can do it or not. Right, I need a few days to think For about sure. it. And she's always, we have, we And have I'm, minutes. like, on board from the beginning. And then, like, once they get there, I'm like, 
uh, now what? What did I do? <laughs> and he's like, totally cool then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, once I commit, we're, we're committed. Let's just do it. For you know, sure. But before then, I want to make sure that it's the right. Yeah. So we're, we are opposite in that. Um, I want to talk a little bit too, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, what some of this has brought out. There's a lot of mourning involved. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of grief. Um, there's grief with special needs parenting and you're realizing what they may or may not ever do. Um, and then when you bring a, another child into your home that may have had, you know, traumatic things happen, but they're normal functioning. Um, and to watch them doing things that your son can't do mm. is sometimes really hard. Um, and I can't say his name, but, um, our last placement, especially, which it was, it was kind of a mixed thing. Like so excited. Like I, I've never seen a kid make strides as quickly as he did. Um, the therapists were amazed. Like he's doing so well. Um, just meeting all these milestones that he hadn't, um, I think there was always like a doubt in my mind, like maybe I didn't do enough for him. Like I didn't work with him enough for Sam. and that's for Sam, mm. why he didn't reach these. And so it was kind of like, well, you, I mean, you worked with, you know, this child and he did make progress. Like that just wasn't in the cards for Sam. Like it, it didn't have anything to do with me. Yeah. So as upsetting as it is to watch, like it's also like reassur reassurance from God that, you know, you, you can do this and you are making a difference and, mm -hmm. you know, anyways. Yeah. I mean, I would. So a gift in the sorrow, I guess. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, it's the two truths at the same time thing. It's, it's really difficult to sit there and watch this baby grow and crawl and do all the things when you guys did all those same things with Sam, who is your child, who you've adopted, who is now six and he can't, Right. you know, that, that that's devastating. It doesn't take away from the fact that you're joyful for this, this kid but it also is still painful for this kid. Yeah. yeah. And I think we all just have such a hard time being able to sit in the middle of both of those things. And I think that's, that's where the objective and the narrative like kind of come together for, in my opinion of Christianity and Jesus is because that's what we're all, always having to hold is that we're in this world and this world is important and it means something and it's a transition into eternity. And at the same time, there's a better thing coming. Mm -hmm. And so we can't be like the whole earth is groaning for the restoration. So let's just all wait to get to heaven. Right. Well, at the same time, like, well, no, but we also are still mourning how bad it sucks while still trying to enjoy it at the same time. And I think that's why transitioning out of your home, like back home, like you're so happy. This is what you worked for this whole time. But they're still like, it's still hard. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Because you love them. Yeah. You take them in. And there's a, there's a metaphysical, I mean, I think we're in the image of God family, and this is your family member that you now adopted in. And right. even though you didn't adopt him on paper and legally, there's a piece of your heart that holds that. Yeah. You know? It's tough. Yeah. Um, you got some? No. Okay. I was going to say we cry all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. We also laugh a lot. I think that's yeah. uh, humorous. Yeah, helped us through some hard right, stuff. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, y'all are funny people, so that definitely, you got to laugh to keep from crying sometimes, <laughs> yeah. or laugh and do both. Right. Um, so we talked about this a little bit, but uh, 
what do you feel like you would tell somebody that they need to know before? I mean, we talked about a little bit of it, but anything that you'd like people to know before they choose foster care? I mean, just that most important thing that what the goal of it is, yeah. knowing what the goal of it is and, you know, so not having your back your pocket, like, Oh, we're going to foster, but hopefully yeah. we adopt this kid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's problematic, right? I mean, is what we're saying. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and there are lots of people that, that do that. That's their hope. And, you know, I, I don't, I can't tell you what their experience is with that because that wasn't, you know, we had, we knew about it. We were talked about it. We certainly had looked at adoption first, but that, you know, we knew not every child that comes in our home is going to be adopted for us. Mm-hmm. And so knowing that ahead of time was good, even though the first placement we got was our only adoption, you know? And so, um, but I yeah, say it works that way. Like the people that plan on it doesn't happen for and the people that say it happens but that's i mean our plans are always faulty anyway you know i mean we we think we've got it all figured out and you know it's because we think we're thinking with our own plans instead Mm -hmm. of of what god's got planned so i mean give up give in to that and i mean already have your support system in place um your family on board your friends on board and be willing to ask for and accept help yeah, in that in that note, like, what are some mistakes that you guys made uh, early on that you would, you know, that you haven't done this way or that you would say don't do this? Exactly that, like, not if, asking for help. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and thinking that, I mean, I I'm just like that naturally, anyways. Just like housework, even like, I mean, I'll just do it all until I'm exhausted and whatever, and not ask him. And finally, he's like, Shannon, just tell me to do it like you don't have to do everything yeah. it's not all on you that's right i'm a soldier you tell me what to do i go do it <laughs> don't ask me to initiate but if i have to think of it myself <laughs> right. I, if i forget it i feel bad because all of a sudden i see her walking the trash out i'm like that's my job like yeah, i need yeah. to be doing that but i guess my mindset was i chose to do this so i'm responsible for all the pieces of it yeah but also people chose to be my friends for sure and you know that's part of friendship. I would want to do that. So why can't I accept it myself? Yeah. One of the things we had to learn through Dustin dying of brain cancer, my brother-in-law, I guess eight years ago now. And then Grady was like that you take away people's blessings when you don't let them help you. And that was just staggering to me because I've always been that that way. I mean, I don't need to, I'm I'm not going to ask for help. I got it. I'm going to, you know, headstrong and my wife's the same way. But like one, you know, it made me think of like it, when I help other people, I always get so blessed for it. You know, when you go and serve somebody, when you stay right. up with somebody's kid, when you go to the hospital, when you visit them when they're sick or weak or whatever, I always leave being like, man, that was incredible. I'm so glad I did that. God bless me. Yeah. And so I had to think like, man, other people want to do that sincerely. And when I don't let them, they don't receive that blessing. They, they don't yeah. get to serve and learn a lesson and sacrifice and you know the the disciples were like literally did that they're like jesus you can't no you can't wash my feet right you know and it's like that's so many times us is like people are willing to their hearts in the right place and we're like well no don't wash my feet then i'm gonna owe you or then i'm gonna feel bad or then i'm gonna feel obligated or right i mean and who are we (laughs) to say that we're anything and can handle this because we obviously cannot yes um and again like we did not we did not sign up for this. We did not think we're these great people that can do this hard thing. No, it just was there. And then God gave us the strength to, to deal with it day by day. Absolutely. We were talking about the other day. I mean, I think we've had seven placements, maybe six or seven. 
Um, and, you know, it's an extended family is what it is. I mean, we don't get to see them. You know, we, we have very limited contact or no contact with, once they leave our house just because that's how the system is set up. And that's okay because it's not our rules. But, you know, that's our extended family. And that's that's who we've invested in and who we care about. And, and you know, we want to we see success for them. But, you know, we're just not there. You know, it's we're here. We're always will be here. But... You know, most of our kids are so young that they're never going to know, you know, besides maybe a few pictures that we were able to send with them, you know, that, that we took care of them. So, yeah. Now, is that an option or do you guys, do, you, do people get to pick like age range? You, yeah, you specify whatever you, you want to take into, I mean, you can say you Gender, only want girls or, yeah. or boys or whatever. Um, you can say um, you only want a specific race or not one. You can pick your age, age range. Um we just always chose to do younger than our the babies yeah mm-hmm. yeah younger than our children too yeah, because absolutely. we didn't want to bring in into our house something that a child was going through that we that our child would be exposed to at that point you know and so the younger children at our age range you know we said this is this is what we can handle right now i think that brings up a huge point um in all of this that that is important so i think when it comes to the we'll get into this the church so you know you talked about adoption and we talk about the church serving and we talk about this with missions international missions local missions we talk about this i mean what you're doing is a mission focused thing right you're you're getting in the in the trenches and we start trying to like pick apart oh well y'all don't want to take a 15 year old boy in your house like that's not serving enough like we start going down this rabbit hole but it's like if everyone was doing their part then everyone could kind of like i say this all the time i wish when we were younger and didn't have kids we would have done so much more for jesus right right like because we had the opportunity to we had the time to but because we didn't know better we we screwed off a lot and didn't do all the things we can't do now you know, yeah. it's like then right before we had kids, I was going on mission trips in New Orleans. Like I was doing everything. And then we had Grady and it was like for three years, all that was just shut down for the most part. Part of it was practical. Right. But part of it, I shame myself a lot of like, oh, I'm not doing this. But then I think, well, there are a hundred of other single people who don't have kids or are single that could be going that aren't. But now here I am with a special needs kid feeling guilty about not going. And so I would say the same thing to y'all or anybody listening that's trying to foster it's okay to figure out what's best for your family and what's the right fit. Don't take on things that are going to cause problems. There are other people out there that are just as responsible to take those. There are people without two girls who can take 15 year old little boys. Right. And just because you have those parameters on your paperwork, <laughs> doesn't mean they're not going to call you for something for that's sure. outside of it. So, you know, if God really was trying to stretch you and wanted you to have absolutely something opposite of what you thought, then he's gonna put it there. <laughs> Absolutely, I just mean that I don't think you need to shame yourself if right. you make a choice that's best for your family. You're already trying to do something hard, so don't try to be a superhero and ignore maybe the red flags or the the kind of bells and whistles that go. Okay, you have two little girls. You pro, you know, it's probably going to be problematic to take the 15 year old boy when yeah. there are other people who can. Right, and yeah. and part of it is is information and knowledge. You know, I mean, when we were ignorant you know, you could be excused for, for some of these things. But once you know these things and, and that God has put, you know, 
um, giving you a heart for it, then then that's when we need to, to act. And, you know, we didn't know as much about it until we got into it. Um, and, and certainly, you know, now that we're in it, we're like, man, this is super important. Like these kids, I mean, you know, the, the stat, it's not my stat. I've, I've seen it, you know, I'm, I'm copying it from several probably, you know, adoption and um, foster ministries. But, you know, as many churches that we have in the United States, you know, especially in Louisiana, we have more churches than we have kids that are need, in need of um, being adoption. fostered or yeah. adopted. Um, that each church would, if they would just, you know, raise up a family in their church and, and adopt a child, the, all the kids would be adopted in Louisiana. It's I mean, insane. It is insane. And, but we don't think about those things. And that doesn't, that, that seems foreign to us mm-hmm. until you look at it in those kind of parameters. Um, that, that the church body is, we're meant to be different from the rest of the world. I mean, that's what we're called to be. And we have to look at those, you know, of abnormal ways to solve things that, that God gives us yeah. uh, and, and be able to, to, to jump into those things. But certainly, I mean, like I said before, you know, our, our church family, the people that we have that were close to us, that really cared about us and, and, and checked up on us and, and watched out for us and, and provided for us, like they were the ones that encouraged us, that lifted us up in order to be able to do anything that we could do. Mm-hmm. And, and it wasn't, if it wasn't for God and it wasn't for the people that he put around us and, and where we were, you know, we would have failed. I mean, we wouldn't have been able to, to, to keep these children as long as we were and, and be able to do what we were asked to do. Yeah. And I think I've, you know, had people ask, well, what can we do to help? Um, and I really want to be like, you can sign up for foster classes. Here's information. <laughs> um, and I get that everybody's not going to do that. I mean, but that's number one, what you need. You need more foster families and not just more foster families, but ones that are actually safe and loving homes for kids who have already been through so much. Um, pray for us. So instead of congratulations, which I said was kind of, I felt like inappropriate, um, maybe say, Hey, I know this is going to be, you know, tough, especially in the beginning. Like I'm going to be praying for you. Is there anything specific I can pray for? That would be awesome. Um, we do accept food on occasion (laughs) though. I say cooking's my therapy. So sometimes that's hard for me, even though I don't really have time to do it because I get so much joy from that to, you know, let somebody else do that for me. But, but for any family that's going through that, I mean, not having to worry about the meal is such a big deal. Yeah. And gift cards are king. Yes. I mean, don't cook like sometimes meal trains are terrible because everybody cooks you stuff you don't want to eat and you have (laughs) 4,000 things lined up. But the the best thing you can do is give somebody a gift card so they can go get what they want. Right. Mm -hmm. I love casseroles, but 10 casseroles in a (laughs) roll. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm over cash. Or like when you got so used to eating dessert. Oh yeah, that was right. I'm like, oh, we shouldn't eat dessert. I think that was our night. first child. You know, we, we had dessert with every meal train, you Absolutely. know, every meal. And I was like, we're oh, so this grateful is great. for all yeah. those brownies. Yeah, thank you. Um, well, so, I think, and I think that's a key point though, is that joke, right? That we're so grateful. You can be grateful that everybody helped and also them not be helping very well. Yeah. And I think if you're a sincere person out there and you want to genuinely help, then the best thing we can do is ask like, how can I specifically help you? Which then means for those of us who are stubborn, we have to be able to say, Hey, I don't need you to cook for me. Can you come take my laundry and do something with Mm -hmm. it? Or can you just come sit on the porch and talk to me? Or can y'all come pray outside in the yard? I mean, that's been what's been life saving for us as people doing the specific things that we need. 
you know, and it is hard. I mean, it was hard to tell you, hey, you can't come over and, and you know, stay up with our kid, but it's not what we needed at the time, and it wasn't what was going to help us. It the the joy of you offering was such a gift, and I so that's what I would challenge people is like just offer something. People appreciate your efforts, but don't necessarily force, you know, a cash roll on somebody when that's not what they need. Right, and and I know Shannon said you know that that that's our first thing is you know come be foster parents with us. I, I don't think that's everyone's calling. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I mean, I think a lot of people can do it that don't think they can. Um, but, uh, you know, y- you have to be called into these things, too. Absolutely. And, and we, you know, we were called in a different route. We didn't understand how we were getting there, but we got there. And I think there's lots of people that are like that. And it's encouraging those people, uh, especially in the church, you know, um, having programs that, uh, that give information, uh, things like this, that you can, you, you know, the more information you have, the better you can inform a decision. Um, you know, because just because God's calling you to something, if you don't know what it is or you don't know how to do it, you know, you still have to have that and you have to have guidance on, on what's, you know, what's the next step. Yeah. And I think we all feel that guilt or a lot of us feel that shame. You go to something or listen to this podcast or you hear a missionary come from Zanzania or whatever, you yeah. know, and you're like, oh, I, I'm a terrible Christian. I should definitely give up my whole life and go do that. And it reminds me of that story of the, you know, the rich young ruler. It's like, God's not calling all of us to sell all of all of our possessions and go be poor. Yeah. That's what that guy's problem was. And so I think the challenge we will have is like, think about it in your own heart. Right. Are you not fostering or adopting or helping in this world because you just don't know or you're scared or you're fearful about what people are going to think or how difficult it's going to be for you? Like really pray and ask God to kind of remove those. Or are you a person that's like, no, I do this thing specifically and God's called me to this and I just don't have the capacity and don't feel called to that. But I think we're all called to help with this. So can I pay for somebody? Can I, do I know somebody who's adopting? So can I help them? It's kind of the, I can pray, I can pay or I can go. Yeah. And I think that works in this area too. Would you say? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I mean, and we're just normal people. Like we do everything. Everybody else does. I mean, (laughs) you know, like he goes to work and we do carpool and, um, they just fit into our lives. So it's not like, I mean, yes, your, your world does get turned upside down, but I mean, it's not always like, so yeah, I don't know. Well, it's both, you know, but it is different. I mean, you know, you guys do take on something, but I think that's the beauty of, of being, I know y'all's belief is being Christ followers is that that's the beauty in it. You get to see Christ show up in something that all of a sudden now you're saying this. And I know you believe that, it's not true, right? It's not normal to take a kid out of somebody else's family into your family, change that whole thing. That's not the average normal way God intended it to be. But the beauty is, is that God shows up and makes it normal. He makes it part of the plan. He gives you, equips you with the strength and the wisdom and the community. I guess what I mean, like you don't have to go out and buy a 16 passenger van and take right. in five kids at once. Yeah. Like that's not what everybody's foster journey looks like there are people that do that and they're amazing i don't know how they do it um because i can barely handle you know what i'm given at a time um but that i don't know i i lost my train of well i think you know jesus asks he tells us you know give up your life so you can have what i have for you and i mean that's that's what we have i mean you know, my my idea was we have two wonderful children and we have this perfect little family. And what happens 
when we bring in children from the outside that have issues, like that's going to mess us up. Mm -hmm. And that's what my thinking was. And I, it, when we when we gave that up, even though I nest, I, I wouldn't say a hundred percent gave it up myself. Like I had my wife's help with that, but we <laughs> did it as as one. Yeah. When we gave that up, we gained so much more, and we gained, you know, his his what he had for us, which mm -hmm. was which was so much better. And and it, it's true. I mean, my life now with Sam in it, with these children that have come in, that they, you know, I mean. Any any little kid in my my house is a burden. Um, you know, I told Shannon. I said, you know, you're the one that, um, you know, let these kids in. I can't sleep in today because <laughs> I have to go. You know, take them to school or whatever. I mean, they they are extra responsibilities, and that's that's part of it. But they're so. I mean, they give me so much life. They give me. I've been blessed over and over and over by the children that we've had in our house, and I would have missed out on all that if I had not been willing to give that up. Mm -hmm. to give up my idea of what we should have yeah that's good and i think that that's it like we're not supposed to look like everybody else we're supposed to look different and that's so important for me to live that out in front of our kids so they see like yeah maybe we were uncomfortable in this time and we didn't get to do all the things or have all the things but look what god god did right in front of us oh, you yeah. know through these kids coming and them being able to love on them and they just jump right in like they'll ask me like so are we getting another one anytime like i mean they just are so on board and you know only god um because it's not our parenting for sure <laughs> <laughs> well yeah i mean isabel and olivia are fantastic and but i mean think about i can already see 10 years from now 15 years from now the way they parent the way they mother the way they do i mean it's going to be a story yeah. And it's going to be because of y'all sacrifice and your service and, and what God's doing in their lives. And, you know, that that's going to that's the that's the hope we have. Right. Is that it, it pays dividends in ways that they're far ahead of us. I mean, I think all of us hope our kids are way better than we are way earlier. Right. right. You know, I hope Grady and Jude are way more loving and more patient and more kind and more missional. They don't figure it out when they're 30. You know, like you know, they don't figure it out when they're 25. They they get it because they get to see us doing what we do. But I think so many people think I'm bringing in this negative oh, to my home, but we've seen how it's positive. Absolutely. And far more positive than it is negative. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because the reality is, is that it, it's going to be difficult. I mean, did I want to talk to my, I guess she was probably 11 at the time about being a single mom? No, but we had a child in our home that was the child of a yeah 16 year old. And so, you know, that gave us, not a comfortable conversation, but a conversation, you know, needed to be had and learned from. And um, so I think we're protecting them, yes, but they're still eventually gonna go out into that big world and, you know, it's not perfect, it's messy. They're oh, hurting people and it's, everyone doesn't live in a family like ours, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think that's such a good point of the balance between educating your kid and preparing them and discipling them and protecting them. Yeah. You know, we've swung and I've talked about this before, but we've swung in this culture of, yeah, I got to have this nice little happy family. The world's big and scary, but you can educate and prepare your kid and teach them to disciple and work through things. If the story is about how good Jesus is, if the story is about you and keeping yourself comfortable and calm and perfect, then yeah, it is really scary to talk to them about a single mother or about sex or about pornography or about, you know, whatever the thing is that's taboo that we don't want to talk about. Right. 
you don't have to fully immerse them in it, right? But you also don't need to hide it and keep it secret. And it's that dance in life. And, and yeah, if, if you plan on never serving a homeless person, never dealing with a prostitute, never do- adopting someone, never going to prison, like if you plan on never doing any of the things and being around the people Jesus was around or taught us to be around, right. then when your kid's 18 or 19 and they walk into the world and those people are there, then their view of them is going to be very broken. Or they're going to see the world's way of handling those people and they're going to be like, why couldn't the church do that? Why didn't I do that? I grew up not doing any of these things. Uh-huh. And people care and people are loving on these people that need love and are broken and we did nothing. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I You know, again, this is not to say we, we're doing everything right, but, you know, I've, I've taken my daughters uh, and we've taken our daughters and, and Sam as well to, um, to do mission work, um, you know, in Dallas-Fort Worth where there's a, a large refugee community um, and they've, they've gone and helped and talked to people and gotten to pray with them and seen uh, just the different things that we're doing just to try to show the love of God. And, you know, nothing with us, but I, I see the way they have conversations about those kind of things. And I see other kids and I'm like, they get it because they've seen it. And it's, it's that, you know, they're experiencing it and they know that Jesus loves all these kids. Here I'm crying again. <laughs> that he loves all these all these these people from all over the world and that that there's a desire for his people to go and share that with them yeah. because he loved us first. Or he loved us and we that when we're given something he wants us to give it out too. And so, you know, every blessing we have that we would bless others. Um, and and so I see that in them and I want to encourage that in them and and, and let God, you know, Tend that garden um, so that when they're as they're growing, that that that's they have they have a much better uh, view of who God is, and it's not just on paper, but mm-hmm. the the experience of it. Um, and and same thing with foster care that they know that these kids that are coming from broken ha- homes or in bad situations or whatever the the thing is, that God loves them, but He also loves those families, and that God wants to see you know um, reconciliation. He wants to see um, things that were broken be put back together and um so it's it's good for us but i think our family is has benefited from it as well yeah that's awesome but i think for a while i felt guilty about yeah what am i taking away from my kids um with with fostering and then with adopting you know sam with special needs that you know makes it hard where you're in the hospital or you know they get to see an ambulance come to their house or um but yes the joy that he has brought into our lives and so many other people i mean i don't think you can meet him and not love him no for sure not um his joy is infectious uh anyway so i i mean i think i would say that for sure to anybody that all those yeah misconceptions and fears and god can turn all of it for good yeah for sure can you talk a little bit about so when people see your kid, when they see Sam, right? If somebody, let's talk about special needs for just a second. So if you see a kid in a wheelchair, you see a kid who can't talk, right? What would be the proper response or what's helpful for you guys? Um, or what should people know? Because I think people just don't know what to do. So they do all the wrong things. Right. And the first, you know, the first thing that I, I have to remember in, in our situation, Sam doesn't care. He's not affected by it. You know, I, I, there's other kids that, it's t- tough because they see everyone else has, you know, can walk and do different things or whatever it is that they don't have. 
and they're like, why me? And I, and I, you know, my heart goes out to that because I'm not in that place. Like my son is not having to deal with hearing, you know, offhanded comments or whatever else. Um, and usually not in a bad place, usually right from young kids or something like, look at him, what's up with him, what's wrong or whatever. Mm. And, and those things, you know, for the most part, just flow off, off of me. Um, but Sam's not affected by it either. You know, he's, he's too busy worrying about what he's going to put in his mouth or whatever, you know, that's, that's how he is, but that's okay. Um, but you know, certainly, you know, um, I would, I would say that, you know, people that just are, are passing by, like, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry much about what they have to say. Uh, it's, it's the people that I know and love that, um, you know, they're still having to process it as well. And I, and I, I have to come from a place, you know, before I, I tell other people, this is what you shouldn't do. I have to realize that they're they're having to figure this out. I've already figured it out, you know, because I've, we've been dealing with it. But that they they're just getting exposed to it, and and that there's a, there's shock there, or mm-hmm. the, you know, there's there's a processing there, and just to be for me to be encouraging, like yeah, I mean, I wouldn't call him that, you know, he's not, you know, whatever name you used on him or whatever, he's, yeah. but uh, you know, he's unique or you know whatever, and but. Um, so, so what I'm saying is I, I don't necessarily have something and Shannon may, and that's fine, but I don't necessarily have something for other people. I just need it. My, my reminder as, as his father is that how I see him, how the people that he loves and that love him, see him and how God sees him. And so, um, that's, that's the kind of reminder I, I have is not to worry about the outside of who's saying this and what's, what are they saying? Mm-hmm. So today we went to a doctor's appointment and this little boy is just like stare, like straight up staring at him, <laughs> which I just kind of, I mean, they're kids, like they're going to be kids. And the mom's like, whatever his name is, you know, it's rude to stare. You're not supposed to stare. And I, I just looked at him and I said, his name's Sam. Do you want to come say, say hi or whatever? And just trying to, I'm like, he doesn't care. Um, he was happy looking at the fish. He didn't care that the kid was staring at him. Um, but still, I think there are kids that do know. So it's important to educate people, um, just because they're in a wheelchair or they can't do what you do doesn't mean they're not, they're still a person. Right. Um, you know, we still need to respect each other and be kind. Um, but yeah, when they, when kids see something different, they're, you know, they have questions and I please come ask me questions. I would love probably, and I should have done this a long time ago, but stand in front of his, you know, group of kids at church and say, hey, this is Sam. I know it looks like this, but actually, like, he can hear what you're saying and know, you know, like, he can play ball with you. He can do, mm-hmm. you know, all the things he can do. Because I think so much it's, you know, you go to the doctor's office and do these checklists where, like, he, you can't, I can't check any boxes. Yeah. You know, I can't fill in any yeses. Um on their standard form, but Sam can do a lot. Yeah. You know, it's good. So, yeah, I think I would be encouraging as your friends, you know, and if you are friends of people who have a kid who's in special need or foster care or any of the things that are, don't fit in the quote unquote, I mean, there's no such thing as normal in my opinion, but what you're used to seeing, right. Um, I mean, I just spend time before we go to church or if I know we're going to be around Sam telling the boys like, Hey, you know, like uh, we were talking about y'all coming over or doing something. That, oh, and you're coming to the park. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, oh, yeah, Sam, he's in my class. And, you know, but it's we've we have had conversations with him like, hey, go give him attention. He can hear you. He can talk to you. Say hey to him like you would do anybody else. 
And because of that, like Grady doesn't make a thing of it. He's just like, Oh, what's up? It's Sam. And he's here and he knows what he can tolerate and what he can't. And mm-hmm. he, he comes up at the park and says, Hey Sam. And now he doesn't try to do more than that, but that's all that you like. I think that's people's problems. They feel like they have to do this big thing or nothing. Right. Yeah. And it's right. like, no, just you see a guy on the side of the street who's homeless, roll the window down and say, Hey, how can I pray for you? Yeah. Yeah. Don't do nothing. Right. Don't give him a hundred bucks either. You know, like, there's a there's just this awkwardness that I think we feel so uncomfortable with, and that's about us. And I think that was your point is check our own hearts. Yeah. Because I get it. I mean, it took me forever. We had his first wheelchair. I'd be like, uh, it's too hard to put it together. Really, I didn't want to put him in that wheelchair. Yeah. I could use a stroller, and like nobody would think anything different. Like he's just a kid in a stroller. But the minute I put him in that chair, mm. like I was labeling him. Yeah, it's you know? be so hard. Oh gosh, I fought it it for so long <laughs> yeah it's hard though because i mean you we know him intimately and love him but there's just even though he'll never have that i still have you know like people judging or or thinking less of him mm-hmm. you know than what i know that he is absolutely man i love you guys i'm proud of y'all i know it's a lot and i, I mean I, seriously i i love seeing how you guys parent your kids and love on sam and take these kids in and it's been really awesome. Uh, I mean, I feel like we've been, we, we have been blessed. And I, I think a lot of it is, I mean, it's not from us. It's nothing we've done, but we have, everything we've needed has been provided for us. Yeah. And, you know, even when it seemed like it was very daunting, um, <laughs> that it's still, it was still there. God has never failed us on, on that. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's been great to see. Yeah. I think that, uh, I think when people listen, and, you know, we've said it before. I've said it to you about calling you saints or whatever. And it's like, y'all turn that down. And you're like, oh, no, we're not saints. We're just normal people. I mean, it's true, though. You know, like, you are you are normal people. You do normal things. And you have normal marriages and normal fights and normal, normal you know, nerdy things that you like. And right. and God does give us all the thing. I mean, it's the same thing when people are like, oh, you're a therapist or you're a counselor. Like, there's no way I could do that. I'm like, well, me either. Exactly. Like, I'm not taking any credit for any of the things that go on. Or the, even this podcast. Like, oh, well, I'd love to do that. But I'd be really really nervous and couldn't do it it's like yeah well i mean we've all been equipped with different things in the body of christ and we all don't have to do the same thing but my challenge for especially foster care and adoption would be to for people to check their hearts and just go okay this is the thing god calls us to this is the thing god does for us is there an area in my life where i can be praying where i can support more where i can do it literally can i start now to go okay you know that's been jason and i's conversation you know we had Grady, we had Jude, we just recovering essentially from Grady, it feels like. And then we have three miscarriages the last couple of years. And yeah. and then we're like, okay. And JC just has that mom heart. I always say all the time, it's like, we're going to end up fostering or adopting or something because, you know, she's working on getting healthier and, you know, being in this space where she wants to do it or figure out what we want to do or, but yeah, it's like praying about that and letting God tell you what to do and, and not feeling guilty about it, but also being like, you know, checking your heart and where you're at and, so it's, it's definitely not something you just jump into blind. Right. You don't want to feel guilty because you listen to the podcast no, or have friends no. who are doing it. I don't want people like, to have faith like that either. Exactly. You know, yeah. we go and get excited about something gung-ho and then two days later, you know, because well, when you're in it, you're in it. Like these kids are depending on you. So, yeah. Absolutely. Do it because you mean it. Absolutely. Which means you might be, need to be thoughtful about it and not emotional just because you feel bad. Mm-hmm. And I think so much of that. Can you talk a little bit about, um, we got some time and I, maybe the, the church and the people that, you know, were, let's say pro-life, right? 
anti-abortion. Right? This was actually, I was about to just interrupt and say something about it. So Yeah, but like, how does that play into like people who are really just pro-birth, yeah. but then do nothing about foster care, nothing about the adoption system? Can we go I think, on I think, a little bit of a tangent about that? Yeah, because I think there absolutely is something spiritual about, um, about mourning the loss of life, um, wherever that loss of life is. But, you know, I know people gravitate towards abortion and and it's a serious issue there's a lot to it uh as far as you know there's people that are entrenched on both sides but you know if you love life if you love that there are people who are living who are having such a hard time um because they're children and they can't take care of themselves and they don't have the resources and there is such a i, I think it is a natural um connection uh, that if you are you are pro abortion, or sorry, pro you know um, life, yeah, pro life, right? I forget the names. Sorry, um, pro life. That that life you know continues. If if you're successful in in having life go, you know, if you know all these different programs that that offer you know women to either adopt or uh, to to go ahead and have their babies, you know, when they're thinking about abortion, you know, that's not the end. Like there's then they have a baby and they need to be lifted up or there needs to be opportunities for them to, you know, to know that, that the choice that they made is not a bad, they, they didn't just ruin their child's life. You know, it brought a child in for them to suffer and have to just barely make it, you mm -hmm. know, through life. And so, you know, that's adoption, that's foster caring. Um, you know, did we do this because of that? No, not necessarily. We, that's not what we were thinking. We wanted we wanted to save a life. We wanted to, you know, for adoption, we wanted to bring a child into our family. We wanted to grow in our family because that was what was placed in our heart. But I see it more and more that, um, absolutely there is a, there's a connection there and, um, that I would encourage anybody who is, you know, pro-life, um, to, to think about that and think about what can I do to help these children that have been born that we, we rejoice for. We want them to be born. We, we want, you know, if, if a life is formed, then, then we want it to, to be a good life and, mm -hmm. and, to, and, and, you know, what that means. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's all I have for it. But Shannon may have something too. I'm pretty passionate about it. Um, yeah, I think if you are pro-life, you're pro-life from conception to you're 90 years old Cradle I mean, to the grave. It's life yeah. like um and i feel like it's like anything well it's easy to do this but it's hard to do that and mm -hmm. so sometimes we choose the easy way to support something and not the hard way yeah um because we don't want to bring the messy stuff into our lives because yeah we're we don't want to lose our life yeah we don't want to lose the convenience of of what we have have going and um i get that i mean we're human <laughs> we all struggle with that um but that's not what god called us he didn't call us to be comfortable yeah for sure um so i have personal history with this so um i won't talk too much about it but you know i've i volunteered at the crisis pregnancy center um saw women who came through and and chose life mothering their babies and and struggling sometimes and i think there's a big disconnect there's a, a hole there that um you know 
there are organizations that are trying to fill, but there's a, there's a lot of people falling through the cracks. Um, and that really, yeah, if they had somebody come alongside of them, that same lady that was, you know, holding a poster pro-life outside went alongside her in her life and helped disciple her um, and teach her how to parent, you know, she could have had a different, a different story than her child ended up in foster care or following the same after the same pattern yeah because you end up having you you have a woman who's struggling and you know has a baby at 16 and is pregnant and so you have people who are like yeah we can't you know abort these babies that's murder that's terrible which you take your stance on that you know and you then have them birth the baby and now they're poor and low income and those people are still out there with the signs but none of those people out of the group or very few of them compared to the actual babies being born because of the signs mm -hmm. are then being taught parenting, getting diapers, having a, you know, I mean, one of the beautiful things that I loved at purchased or at the love well or whatever is when they do um, like showers, you know, baby showers for the ladies. And it's like, you know, that's such a beautiful way of not just saying, Hey, here's a program and here's the thing, but let's throw you a baby shower. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, how do we connect? get personal yeah I'm, I'm, my brain started going just now but how do we where's the missing link where we go okay where's the company the nonprofit the thing that is is between the birth and then the young and that is foster care mm -hmm. and I think there are other things out there but they might not necessarily know about it or you know you leave the hospital and they give you a packet full of information that you never read yeah you know? for sure could have been in there but because you're still in fight or flight and still yeah. in survival mode yeah. while you're having this baby the same thing with um special needs education or even, you know, educating a typical parent that's coming out in a good situation, you're still have questions and concerns. Absolutely. And you're like, you're whatever. leaving me with like, this baby. Yeah. You know, like you just get, I was a NICU nurse and I was like, I really get to leave with her. Like, All right. are you like, sure I'm qualified? Yeah, you ain't coming like, home with me. I'm going to put them in this thousand pound metal contraption of a car and drive them to the house. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, you know, with like social media and that we can, you know, have, um, you know, we can we can know pretty much anything that's going on around the world. Um, I think our views are are skewed a little bit too because all we think about is globally or this is a problem for all of America. This is a you know this issue or that, and we we have to take sides on everything. But you know, as Christians, like my God is a relational God. He wants relationship with me. You know, he he uh, is a personal God and. Yes, he cares about all the earth, but he cares about me too. And that's what foster care is, is you, you can't solve foster care. You can't solve abandonment of the, the whole country or the world. What you can do is God has placed you with this baby and you can love this baby or this child or whatever, and you can do what, what's in front of you. And the same thing, you know, abortion is a, is a large issue. It is a big issue and everybody has, has to have an opinion on everything and not to say that that's wrong at all but to solve that you know we we look at our leaders and you know the president or you know the congress or whatever to, to pass laws to pass laws yeah. and that's the only way this will happen that's not how anything will happen uh, in my opinion it'll happen by people investing in people and and loving on them and the spirit of god moving through that and and but it, it's not i mean if only a, a small cluster of of Christians do that, then you're missing out because we have so many people that are passionate about this 
we could all, you know, be doing something. Well, like you said, I mean, how many churches go to marches and how many churches do signs and how many churches give money to, you know, tear down Planned Parenthood or do whatever. And yet there's less kids, I mean, more kids or less kids, less kids than churches. Is that what it is? There's less kids in, yeah, in less, Louisiana. Yeah. Less kids in Louisiana than churches. So, right. which brings me to another idea. But he says the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. Absolutely. Which goes, I mean, several other podcasts that we've done are about Christianity and American church and all that stuff. But it makes me think like, what is, so if you're out there listening to this, you know, and you have answers, let's come up with some, you know, but right. also like, where, so where's the gap between birthing and foster care and, and that, which we covered a little bit, but also is there a movement um, where we can help people uh, like churches like, is there a movement of like, okay, let's just get one family from every church in Shreveport to adopt? Like, is there a movement of that sort? Like, is there some kind of training or some kind of education or some kind of thing where we could go, okay, like you're saying, we can't fix Louisiana, right? but can we fix Shreveport? Or can we fi- fix you know, the churches we know? Hey, let's go around and connect and say, does it, do we have one person here who's adopting somebody? You know what I mean? Like, if right. the stats are the stats... Is there a way that we could do a better job educating like we're trying to do right now to get churches to say, oh, we actually don't have anybody in our church who's fostering and adopting and to go, well, let's educate you on what that is and let's talk about that and let's see what you're called for. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there it are may be happening. I just. Right. So there are several several ministries that we that we've dealt with or that have helped us in different ways or that give out information um, about the children's home. Yeah. Um, yeah. Several programs. Um, we just did talk the other day with um gracious the streetmans yeah and what they do you know with heart gallery and they oh, yeah. bring around to churches Is that the video y'all did adopted. Mm-hmm. yeah it's awesome um so yes there there's but i mean it's just there's a lot no, to for cover sure. you know and and as far you know with foster care i mean you're dealing with that's an emergency too right because the child is there's an emergency that's happened yeah so you've gone from birth to the emergency and you're right what what do you how do you prevent the emergency you know how do you prevent this from happening where this child is already in a either dangerous or you know uh, hurtful or whatever kind of situation um well the church can be involved in all that absolutely yeah absolutely we should be it goes back to you know and what you've touched on before in other podcasts about um what medicine looks like right now and how overwhelmed that system is. Um, they could be the ones that are noticing stuff's going on, but they have so many patients and they're just running them through and they see them for five minutes, but they're not, they're not seeing it. Where if, you know, they were able to spend more time with their patients, they may have seen the signs before we got to the emergency part. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I read a stat. I can't remember exactly. So I'm gonna butcher it, but it was like, the number of kids that go into foster care because of abuse, I think it's like 3.3 million or something like that worldwide. Um, and then just how many of them get stuck in foster care and then how many of them get adopted. And it, it's just atrocious. Yeah. But again, I think, yeah, I, I would just stick with the same message. If you're listening to this and, and with anything that I, that we ever talk about on here or that you hear about, yeah, it's kind of that quote of how do you eat an elephant? And it's like one bite at a time. Right. It's like, you can't, you can't worry about the elephant. You know, it's like, what has God given you to bite off? And, and so that's what would be my challenge for people is to, to look at their own life and go, am I uncomfortable in any area? Right. Cause as we were talking about cradle to grave, I think about all the conversations I have about elderly and, you know, just that whole stage of life and how they're abandoned as much as kids are abandoned. And there's a whole, you know, ministry to that, that Jesus calls us to. And it's like, 
well, that's not the point. Let's not get in, you know get overwhelmed with all of the detail. Let's right. just figure out through the word, through community, through prayer, what God has for me, and then step out in obedience. But if you're completely comfortable and you have all your needs met, and you're like, my life's perfect and there's no tension, you might want to check in because something probably is going to happen pretty like soon. My challenge always is if people looked into your, your life right now and how you were living, would they see Jesus in it? You know, the sacrificial giving up of yourself, mm-hmm. would they be able to see that in your life? And if not, then you're not living for Christ. Yeah. You're living for self. It's good. Yeah. But <laughs> um all right, let me see if I got anything left. That was great. Um no, I think we got everything we needed. Any resources, I guess, or last minute encouraging for those people that are out there that are fostering it right now and struggling? I mean, locally, yeah, I think, you know, the, there's the foster closet uh, in Benton um, or close to Benton, right? Yeah, uh, Cypress Baptist. That, that just provides, you know, items of clothing or, or anything that you may need that they're, they're doing their best to try. And, and really things. their heart, too, is to reach those families that are taking in those kids that then don't, you know, necessarily have the resources, but they're willing to take in, yeah. you know, their family and they try to help them, you know, with clothing and different things because they're not getting a support check, you right, know. Right. We, yeah, the uh, Baptist Children Home, you know, we, we have dear friends that are part of that, that, you know, we know their heart and they, they care about kids and they want to see families being able to succeed and, and help in any way to, to help these kids. Um, you know, I'm part of a Facebook group for foster families and that's all that's on there. So you can be as honest as you want to be. What's that called? Um, I mean, you have to ask to be put yeah. on it, but I think it's just report. Foster families. Gotcha. And, you know, we've, we've seen, you know, CASA workers, which are the court appointed, um, you know, special advocates. Special advocates. Um, I should know that I'm, I'm the guy that's in court all the time. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, and, you know, that they're volunteers. There's a volunteer organization. You just go and help, you know, yeah. families and kids. kids that are. Didn't that Philip are, Martinez now over there? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. That's right. And so, you know, there, there's, there are lots of resources. And, you know, um, there are lots of people that care. And, that, and that's the great thing for sure you know that we didn't know before getting into this that there's so many people that care and that that are doing what they've been called to do and um and it's but it's a big system and there's so much there's always going to be a need um and you know there's room there's room for for others to come and so that's my you know my plea is that there is a way to find you know i think we all care about what happens to the next generation and you know that we don't just write them off. You know, it's our responsibility to, to be the mentors and to be the people that they can look up to, regardless of what happened to us, you know, with our generation and not, not to say I have wonderful parents. I don't, I'm not calling them out or anything, but you know, that, that we would just, um, realize that, you know, there, there is a call for us to be, um, to be that next, the, that gap that helps them, you know, achieve what God has for them. That's good. Shannon, any encouragement for moms or dads that are out there fostering right now and really struggling? Um, <laughs> you can give me your phone number. Call me. No, yeah. I really, really <laughs> just give me a call. Um, I mean, I haven't faced everything that yeah. there is to face, um, but there probably is someone who has. And yeah, I mean, reach out. There's, there's people you're not alone. Um, and we're praying for you. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, there's no shame. I mean, 
you're blessed just because of your obedience. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, there's no winners or losers in this. We're all in this together. And Aaron has to remind me all the time that, um, you know, when I don't see the results I want in whatever situation, that it's just being obedient. And that, that's what God called you to do, is to be obedient. So if you're doing that, then you're good. We already won. That's right. We already have the promise of, of Jesus and, and eternal life. So everything else is is just being obedient and that we were made for good works. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't have to do the good works anymore to, to, to you know, to have that promise. So now we're we just made to. for it we and get we get to. to. Yeah. yeah. So, exactly. I mean, that's, that's the encouragement that we have. But he, he lets us be involved, you know. Absolutely. Well, thank you all for coming on and talking and talking through it. You did great. Um, I would just encourage anybody who's out there struggling, whether through foster care or adoption, or if you're a person who's been through the foster care or been adopted, um, you know, therapy is a great place to heal and and get healthy and uh, find a church to plug into discipleship group, mentorship, you know, other foster care parents. Uh, but like Shannon and I, all of us said, you know, reaching out and being vulnerable and asking for help is super important. And and that's hard. Um, but we have to check our pride and, and check our feelings of inadequacy and, and be able to say, okay, I, I need some help because the kids and the people who are in our care and God's place in our care are more important than our ego or our pride or insecurity. So, can I can I just pray real quick? Yeah, okay? please. All right. Thank you, Father. I just thank you uh, just for this opportunity, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that the words that were spoken, Lord, are not what are what's important, Lord, but that you uh, would be able to speak to people that are listening to this podcast, Lord. I thank you, Father, for your goodness and your grace, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that uh, you would just continue, Lord, um, to build on 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 this, Lord, uh, that you would bless, Lord, the people that are hearing this, uh, and that you would just give them um, the confidence, Lord, to know that that you have their backing, Lord, um, on, on the choices they make. I just thank you, Father, that uh, we would all seek you first and that we would give all glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That's a good way to end it. Thank you, guys. Love you all.